Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Welcome to the Story Studio. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and a bit of the old future of storytelling. Uh, my name is Luke Kondo with K, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Mr. Daniel Cox. How's it going, man? You're right? I'm good. Was that an oxymoron? Well... <laughs> What a good bit say? of the old future of storytelling. <laughs> it was, yeah. You've got to keep them guessing. You don't want anyone to know exactly what you mean. No, no, it works. I'm you good, how are say, you? Yeah, you could say I was giving them a cipher. <gasps> nice. Yeah. Is that, is that a segue or are we waiting for the I big guess, books? I guess it is, yeah. yeah it's just <laughs> um, have you got a big book for us, Daniel? Yeah, so um, I've been busy beavering away like a little chipmunk. Um, at Cypher, which is going to be oxymoron? Uh, beavering like a chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's oxymoron. I don't know if it's just, just absolute yeah. madness. But yeah, yeah. So when was it? It must have been around March or April time. I started speaking about doing a sideways podcast, which was seven episodes of a story. Um, didn't know what it was going to look, and then since then, I've just been kind of milling the idea away in my head I think just letting it brew letting it ruminate letting it ruminate and um yeah as of about a month ago yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be one of those evenings as, yeah. of, as about a month ago maybe six weeks ago decided to actually get my head down start getting the production get everything ready to go um so me and Carl Hughes our audio editor for the other stories have been hard at work with four pretty fantastic actors to put together a kickstarter for Cypher which is not like the Pokemon, but like C Y P H E R. Which one is the Pokemon? Which, uh, is that it's the, the green scissor? ones with like the swords on its yeah. arms. It evolves yeah. into Scizor. Yes. Yeah. I used, I used to really like Cypher. He's he yeah, my favorite first gen Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Very yeah. Cool. Badass. Yeah. But yeah, and so everything is set to go live, which, if you're listening on this, will be this coming Monday. No, coming Wednesday. 1st of November, everything will be live. If you want to get your hands on the seven episode of Cypher before anyone else in the whole wide world, um, then pledge and get involved because it's going to be fun. If the show funds, it will happen. If it doesn't fund, it doesn't happen. Lots of people are sad, but we just move on with our lives, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be yeah. yeah, it's exclusive to Kickstarter for a fair few months and then Potentially down the way, we'll probably make it public for release, but you get that exclusive first look at the show. Yeah, it's like getting a a Netflix subscription, but uh, yeah, like a like a Netflix instant thing that's only available on Netflix for a while, and then you download yes. it legally. Okay, and, <laughs> and there is an early bird special at ten pounds for the first for the entire show. Cool. So there's a limited to get your hands on them. But yeah, what okay. about you? What's your big whoop? So keeping in the theme of uh, audio stuff i 
but uh, uh, Tom Robson sent me a, a YouTube video of a 3D audio haircut. Have you, have you listened uh, yeah. to it? Have you? Have you yeah, I think video? actually that um, circulated around my school a few years back. Yeah, okay, and, yeah. yeah well, I got the feeling it was old, but I didn't. I've never heard it before. And so the idea is that you put these headphones on, and it's uh, uh they've recorded a room binaurally, which means they've basically got two microphones that act as the two ears so left and right uh, uh panning left and panning right of, of the of the room and um if you record that way and then listen back it gives a full 3d effect of the room so you can hear where people are around the room in relation to where you are and in this demo they've used they've done like a haircut idea so it's like they've got like clippers and scissors moving around your head and it's weird because you can feel it going all the way around your head and like uh it's pretty good. And Kat, uh, my fiance, listened to it and she uh, jumped, like screamed at the last bit because like, there's like a little whisper, like out of nowhere, a little whisper yeah. in the ear right at the end. And um, we got we got talking. We were like, wow, imagine like a little horror story told in that binaural method, that binaural mm-hmm. way. You could get, you could get really cool with that. Um, if you're sat in, say you're sat in the center of a room and there's some people, I don't know, like fighting or doing stuff around you. Would be, yeah, we could do those. Yeah. You could do a seance table. So you mm. can do like and like have like ghosts talking around your ears. You can have the medium on the other side, you know, talking oh. in tongues and stuff. There's so oh. many things you can do. Uh, so yeah, so I've been looking into that. I figured that's a cool experiment, maybe in the future. Um, mm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, excuse my weird outburst, and I've just had someone else call me literally as we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was it a, a spirit? Is that a? It, it, was, it was a spirit. Okay, that's good. An absolute spirit. Um, um, yeah, yes. that stuff's cool. Like, is it, is it that cheesy Italian one where the guy's like, <laughs> yeah. "We're going to do your haircut." Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. There's a part in that I'm pretty sure where like there's music playing in the background. Yeah, the like live in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when um, I listened to it. I was just sat in my bedroom, eyes closed, because I got told to plunge yourself into experience. Yeah. And um, that freaked me out. I full on thought that someone was in my room at that point. Weird, isn't it? It's weird how effective it is. Um, but now the more I think about it, the more I think. I would love to do a special episode of the other stories using that recording method. You'd have to actually have people in the room, like almost like a stage play, though, as you, as you do it. Um, yeah, you yeah, could really do it separately. I don't or could so. you? I think maybe you maybe, can manipulate audio. Yeah, well, I think maybe you'd have to have like a bass line, and then maybe you could put, uh, you know, special effects. I don't, you'd have to experiment, but uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. But anyway, um, enough of all that. Uh, today... I think we've got our guests sort of waiting for us now. Um, yes. I won't linger so, too long, but just, I, I hope it'll be a good interview. I haven't recorded it yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're I'm always sure, I'm sure it'll be good. Guys. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll find out when you find out. Cool. And over to our interview with John Cronshaw. So today we're talking to John Cronshaw. John is a British science fiction and fantasy author based in Morecambe, England, who is rocking the post-apoc world of his book series, The Wizard of the Wasteland. He also works as a freelance. Uh, he also works as a freelance features writer. He has had work published in local and national newspapers across the UK, including the Metro, Yorkshire Post, and the Guardian. He's a voracious reader, guide dog owner, ex gamer, and certified geek. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I, I just want to get a certification for the geek, Geekridge. Is that a, like, um, a, how did you get that? I mean, you do it? <laughs> I mean, it was one of them 
unaccredited universities that you get online. I, I basically answered right. an email thing and pay pay three grand for it, but you know, yeah. it's def- definitely worth it. So. Yeah, it's similar way to how you own a piece of the moon. You, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, John, I was uh, I was on your website the other day, and uh, I saw this little, really interesting little piece here, and I just thought I'd quickly read it out because I think it's a good um, start to the interview. Uh, you put here. To pay my bills, I work as a journalist. I've met interesting and powerful people, the Prime Minister, the Chancellor, Boris. I've listened to the stories <laughs> of dying kids, drag queen, drag queen wrestlers, reformed addicts, artists, writers, bishops and liars. I've sat in courtrooms, council chambers and inquests. I've seen so many different sides of so many different people, their passions, their schemes, their pettiness and selflessness. Journalism has been an education in the human condition, a rich and vivid mosaic of stories, all valid, all unique, all fantastic in their own way. That's I read that and I was like, wow, that's quite a wellspring of uh, experiences to, to, to write stories and create characters from. Can you can you sort of start off by telling me a little bit about yourself as a journalist and and these crazy experiences you've had? Yeah, I mean, it's um, oh, I don't know where to start really. I mean, yeah, I've worked in um, you know newspapers and things. I mean, it was ma- mainly local news that I worked in um, Halifax Courier and like the Yorkshire Evening Post and um places like that so it was you know down down kind of right on the bottom level doing the articles about court you know going to courtrooms and reporting on whatever was going on that day you know magistrates court crown court and then um ended up becoming a political reporter um and then that kind of led to um what was in the 2015 election the tories happened to launch their election campaign in Halifax and it was like one of those main kind of bellwether seats so the you know they really wanted Halifax so they were there and I got to interview all these people who were you know the faces of Labour and the Tories so it was yeah. I don't know felt felt like I was really kind of in the middle of stuff as all this stuff was going on so no it was really exciting and um, yeah just yeah it's just you get to see all these different things and you have to do so many different jobs on a day-to-day basis I mean, even doing the political reporting, I was, you know, I'd do the kind of council meetings and, um, you know, looking at what the local NHS were doing and reading through documents. And then I'd have to go to a local primary school to um, speak to some kids who had like heart conditions and stuff. So it was like all the time just speaking to different people with different, you know, different things going on. And yeah, I just think doing that has given me a really good sense of what people do, how people talk and um, just great you know, just so much ammunition for characters. <laughs> it's, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. It's amazing. And are you still doing that now? No, not, not as much as I was. I mean, um, I was doing freelance for a while and I basically turned into kind of full-time dad slash, uh, author. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm doing this now and, uh, looking after my son, you know, when I'm not writing. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it's going. And, you know, the Wasteland series is just starting to sell enough now where, you know, I can justify that going forward. Great, great. So what was your kind of um, switch between the journalism and into the more fiction side? I guess because the, the writing styles are very, very different, aren't they? It's a lot more formal when you're doing your journalism stuff against your yeah. creative well, fiction. <laughs> well, I thought I could write. <laughs> so, you know, I'd been doing the, the journalism and I thought, oh, well, it's, it's a piece of piss, isn't it? You you just write um and I couldn't so (laughs) I had to teach myself again so um I did a lot of things you know learning craft and um you know I must have watched all of you know Brandon Sanderson's lectures and Mm. gone through all the writing excuses episodes I mean I just did a kind of 
my own MFA in creative writing. And then I did the, um, what was it? You know, the Avron courses that they do? I don't know if you're aware of those. They're like um, basically go for a week in Ted Hughes's house and learn how to write. And um, wow. I did mine with Jeff Ryman and Simon Ings. And Jeff Ryman is one of my favorite authors. So it was just like, I got to spend a week with him and learn how to write. And it was just that experience. Like then that was two years ago, actually. And that was just, a, that was the switch. That was the point where I was just like, I need to do this. This is what I need to do. Um, I've been working on a novel for about a year and a half. It was a, just, it will never see the light of day. It was rubbish, but I needed to <laughs> kind of get it out of my system and do it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that, that happened. And then um, we, what was it? I had a job. I basically got a very good job that was um, working as a, um, basically like a Malcolm Tucker kind of character. I don't know if you were sick of it. <laughs> Yeah. Basically a press secretary for someone in the shadow cabinet. And it turned swear. out that... Did you have to, was that in your job description? Oh. Basically, she wouldn't let my guide go for a wee one day, so I walked out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I've never walked out of a job before. So, um, yeah, that that was insane. So I was just kind of like, no, what? So um, I spent half the time doing freelance work and then doing fiction writing and probably had about three failed attempts at novels and then kind of hit on what I'm doing now so yeah it's just been a real kind of education and yeah um just a lot of you know I was sitting in front of a computer and writing yeah so the uh, the first uh, the first novel where you thought okay this is I'm onto it now is that like a post-apocalyptic novel or is that uh, another one um well yeah the the first one that I wrote that I thought actually this works is what I released as my second novel, which is Night of the Wasteland. Yeah. And then I wrote a prequel to that, which was called Addict to the Wasteland, which I kind of did the Insta Free Beef thing. So it was a novella length rather than a novel. Um, and then I did this short story that was called Wizard of the Wastes, which was, it came to me in a dream, this idea of this wizard kind of visiting this um, post-apocalyptic town and he just kind of showed off old technology, making out that it's kind of, uh, you know, something magical when, you know, it's just showing off light bulbs and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, oh, I could fuse this with the Wasteland thing. So then I ended up writing Wizard of the Wasteland as the first book in that series. So, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That's cool. And how did, how did it feel to publish that, to get your fiction out was, there onto the store? Yeah, yeah, amazing. It's, uh, yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, and it's it's like, it's you know, I've had my work published for years i've had articles and whatever published but there was something really magical about knowing that somebody had read my story and you know i get i get emails from people who've read my stories and get what i'm trying to do because i know that my stuff isn't necessarily as commercial as a lot of the post-apocalyptic fiction that you'll see um you know i, I mean I've, looking now i've made a lot of mistakes in terms of writing in I don't know, present tense, for example, you know, I won't, <laughs> I won't do that again. Um, and that's just that because just of like, first book? For the, well, for the series, I'm, I'm kind of sticking with wow. the style, um, okay. which is kind of third person, limited, very limited. You don't go into the person's head. It's yeah. present tense. Um, my style, I've tried to emulate Hermes Temingway, which is probably yeah. really lofty and probably not the best idea for selling commercial fiction. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's all an education and it's all kind of learning um, what I can do with stories and what I can do with words. So, did yeah, it, uh, no, did it, Didn't Nick Cole do that with uh, Old Man in a Wasteland? I've not actually read it, but I, 
I got I was in the depression that he wrote. Yeah. About... Yeah, I think he I think he did, didn't he? I think it was like his riff on Old Man of the Sea and there was a lot of weird stylistic choices in that which you know, I I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I I love people who mess around with language and things like that, but you know, this is for me now this is a business and I need to kind of think of the reader first and not just myself. So yeah. yeah. Coming back, if we pause a little bit and look back at, so you said you've been kind of in this game for about two years and from yeah. where I first saw you was sort of all littered over Facebook when I've seen your books popped on a load of different groups. I've seen you releasing your second one, obviously your third one will be coming out very, very soon. What's the date for that one? Uh, it's the 28th of October. So it's, uh, yeah, Saturday. So if you're listening on launch day, yeah, it's tomorrow. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so you've got all of this stuff kind of going out. But what was it in that first couple of years that one took you so long to publish? And I don't mean that in a cruel way because, you know, everyone is not what it's meant. But one to, to actually get to that point where you could publish. But two, in terms of the actual process and what you wanted to do, because I know some people have that in a battle between whether they want to do the commercial fiction, whether they want to put something out they love. Um, and I know that my first book was just a labour of love. I didn't want anything else from it, and it, it served me well. But what was your kind of process in those first couple of years? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's having direction. You know, I, I learned about plot structure, and that was a revelation for me. Um, I wrote a – I mean, it's weird. I had, had a look over – because I back everything up. I've got into the habit of that for years. And I looked over my creative writing folder the other day, and I realised that actually I – I tried to write a dystopian novel in 2007 that didn't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> so I've been doing stuff like this for years. Yeah. Um, you know, I had ideas for comics and um, just all these kind of different things. I'd written a comedy script, a radio play, and it's just I'd written all these things that I just thought, oh, this is crap once I've done it. Um, and then I wrote this, I had this kind of really ambitious idea for a novel, which was basically, I, I kind of envisioned it a bit like Game of Thrones in space, um, so it's set yeah. in a kind of post-Earth solar system and it ended up having like 13 point of view characters and it was just a mess and it didn't really go anywhere and I spent ages on it. I got developmental edit from um, Cat Howard on part of the story and, you know, getting uh, line edits when I was halfway through. I just didn't know what I was doing at all. Um, but I finished it and it was dreadful and it's it's an unrepairable mess. You should, uh, you should do a Richard Richard Backman. You should uh, release it in <laughs> uh, with a pseudonym, and it will take off. You know what? It'll, it'll do. <laughs> I have released parts of it um, because there were so many characters. It was ba- it was basically I don't know maybe thirteen short stories almost woven together that all kind of cross over. Released a couple of them as short stories and kind of honed them and kind of made them pretty and you know made them into a more of a um you know better story arc so i have released some of the things as short stories yeah. um in like my collections and things so you know it there's bits of it out there but oh i don't know I, I just got so trapped in that um and then i wrote what was it i wrote some i, I decided for a while to do things where i put things in a bag like i wrote things down on a on a label thing put it in a bag shook it up picked it out, picked two things and tried <laughs> yeah. to do a kind of X meets Y. And I think I picked something weird like Lion King meets Meerkat Manor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I ended up writing, I got into like 17,000 words of this like dystopian story about meerkats. And I just thought, what the <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> so, I've gone, I made yeah. a terrible mistake. 
It reminds yeah. me of uh, David Bowie because that's how you wrote song lyrics. You used to just yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I think I think that's it. You know, I, I've been in bands in the past, and you know, experimental bands, and done yeah. art, you know, whatever. So, um, so it's kind of all these things coming in to the ideas, and then I don't know. I've been world, world building a epic fantasy thing for about the past five years as well. I realised so, um, I just needed to kind of get something out there to prove to myself that I could write a story and it be a full story and be, you know, half decent and be professionally, um, you know, like a professional thing that you would buy in a shop. So yeah, yeah I did that yeah. and people seemed to like it. So yeah, that was good. So, uh, so what, what brought you to indie publishing rather than uh, taking the books to a traditional, than the traditional route? You maybe did that as well. I'm not too sure. Uh, no, no. Not at all. Um, the I used to like years and years ago. I mean, this was probably two thousand seven. Now I, I ran an, I ran a self published magazine, and used to do all the printing and everything. And one of the people who was the um, she was a deputy editor used to she was like one of the kind of early authors on on Kindle. Um, someone called LKJ, um, and she I don't I think she still publishes actually, but um, you know she was one of the first adopters and just talked about how amazing it was and then um i had i knew people who'd been published and picked up by presses and you know were in battles about getting the rights back and just getting really frustrated and i just thought because of the way i am i'm i like to have control of what i'm doing i like to control my own destiny i've got a disability so you know sometimes i can't be on as much as i want so i just need to i needed something a way to do this in a way um that was on my terms and this yeah doing it in the indie way it just kind of speaks to me as you know someone who's done kind of diy bands in the past and all this kind of stuff it yeah it all makes sense so yeah it's strange it reminds me i mean a lot of these people who make like uh indie comics and you know were in bands growing up i feel like a lot of them uh have a similar sort of mindset that whole diy just do something but like the whole kind of punk rock sort of way of doing things um i know a lot of indie comic makers were in bands we, did you play in bands as well or were you yeah 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 no I, I played in bands and um had a bit of success with a band that i was in that was actually a, a kind of t- take the piss band um me and a friend of mine did a band that was a fake german band called the plankton <laughs> and it was just we we said that we were the pioneers of new kraut rock and um, just ended up, we, we started off doing it just to kind of troll the muso kind of uh, scene in Leeds. Um, and we ended up playing in like the Tate Gallery in Liverpool and all this kind of stuff. So it was, yeah, it just kind of took on its own um, its own thing. So, yeah, I, I mean, just stuff like that, the fact that you can do something that's stupid and meaningless can have a big impact, you know, and actually get somewhere. I think that that really inspires me. So, yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. the same with indie publishing. Yeah, and I guess you're seeing a bit of that already. You already said that you're getting to a point where you're starting to see the rewards of, of the books that you've put out. Has that come from, are you currently working to any kind of publishing schedule? Do you have a kind of method to your approach now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it hasn't meant to be, but I mean, I've, I released, um, what was it? I released Wizard of the Wasteland in June, and then I released the next book in August. I've released this book, you know, in October. Um, so, you know... With this trilogy, there's been a two-month schedule. I'm not going to be able to sustain that because, you know, there's no point in me releasing a fourth book 
you know, around Christmas. Um, yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm going to get this um, collaborative, I'm working on a collaborative trilogy with um, two other people, which is like a UK-based post-apocalyptic thing. We're calling it Black Death, and then I think we're going to have like, uh, you know, a word probably after it, like Black Death Annihilation or, you know, those kind of a series like that. Um, and it's it's basically set in the UK, post-apocalyptic setting, um, it's after the end of antibiotics and the black plague is back. The black death is here. Um, and so it's, it's all set in the UK, a lot of, um, cool stuff going on in terms of cultural references and, you know, very specific places, all the places are real and, you know, places I've lived and things like that. And the other people who are writing it have lived and been to as well. Um, so I'm working on that over the next few weeks. Um, I'm almost done with the first book which has taken just over a fortnight to do my first draft, which is wow. It's how many, awesome. so how many reckon, words are you doing a day? We, we're doing, well, I, I mean, it fluctuates with me. Um, I I prefer to see it on a kind of monthly yeah. thing. So I try I try to get thirty to 40,000 words a month if I can. Um, sometimes that'll be more like I wrote Night of the Wasteland. I think the first draft of that I did um, in about 10 days. Um, so it just it just depends. Um, what I'm looking to do is get the, tr- the trilogy, the first draft of this trilogy done for the early December. And then I want to start working on the fourth Wasteland book, which will probably be the last one in that series. And then um, there's a really difficult book that I've been working on on the side, which is a kind of lit RPG. But the yeah. main character um, is it's, it's basically he's got a implant in his mind so he can implant in his brain so he can perceive this virtual world. But in the real world, he's blind um, and I'm visually impaired. And it's I'm having to play with a lot of my own kind of experiences as, you know, growing up and coping with being visually impaired and what that means and all those issues. So it's like this two kind of weird heroes journey parallel stories going on. So um, it's, it's actually really difficult to write just because <laughs> it is so kind of personal. But I think it will be I think it will be really good when it's done because it is, um, you know, very honest and you know written from a perspective oh. that not a lot of people have firsthand so yeah i like that 30,000 words uh 30,000 words 30 to 40,000 words a month is achievable um like i think anyone can do 30,000 words like a month it's not that's what a thousand words a day that's kind of what i'm doing at the minute and it's the kind of word count where it's not um it doesn't feel hard <laughs> Like it doesn't feel like you're you're trying. It doesn't feel like you've got a mountain to climb. You're just sort of uh, sitting down at the computer for half an hour, and it's uh, yeah, almost enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I I write four days a week on creative stuff, so I think that's probably works out about twenty hours I can spend writing. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of how that works out over a week. Yeah. So your um, your project where you're working with other authors, um, is it? deliberate that they're all uk based authors because i mean obviously with the internet being how it's being it's possible to work yeah, with anyone um, from well, anywhere, yeah well i mean this is it i mean one of the authors is actually um lives in canada and he's lived in new zealand and just happens to have been raised in somerset um so yeah he he I, i'm not sure how long it's been since he's actually uh, lived here you know um the other one is lives in northern ireland and obviously i have you know i've lived quite a few places in the uk so yeah no it's 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 uh yeah the internet is just amazing for this i was thinking about this the other day that 
the idea of doing this, you know, even 10 years ago would have been really challenging. And, you know, we're on Facebook Messenger all the time and we've got some live Google Docs going on. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's just amazing that this is coming together and it's coming together so fast. Yeah. And how are you finding the collaboration process? Because it must be a bit different to, did you collaborate much as a journalist on anything? I imagine that you probably wouldn't so much. Um, no, you, you'd be surprised. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you do. Um, because you have uh, a news editor and you have people subbing your work and, you know, you, you, it's always a collaborative process. You've got to work with photographers and, um, mm. you know, there's always people who you've got to deal with and work with. Um, sometimes you'll do an article where, you know, you might write the main story and then someone else who write a, a secondary story to it, a kicker to it, or, you know, th- there's different things going on where they'll be uh, kind of linked and, you know, you always need other people to make stuff happen. Um, so, yeah, that, the collaborative process has been really good. We decided to keep it really simple. We've got three point of view characters. We're all doing one each. We've got 20 scenes and we've basically got a rough timeline saying, OK, scene five of book one, the phone networks, mobile phone networks go down. Um, you know, scene 10, the electricity goes off. And, you know, so we've got these kind of rough things and then we're kind of just doing our story and um, using the same kind of, um, I don't know if you're aware of Blake Snyder's um, save the cat method, you know, the kind mm-hmm. of beat sheet where you hit certain thematic beats throughout a story. So we're kind of using that. We've got 20 scenes each for the first story. And I think what we'll probably end up doing is increasing that as we go through um, and yeah, just, just kind of seeing how it goes. But I think we're, you know, we're averaging between, a thousand and fifteen hundred words per scene. So I think you know by the time we're done, we'll end up with, you know, something like a seventy thousand word novel. And yeah, I've. I mean, we started talking about the initial ideas for this about four weeks ago, and we're already halfway wow. through the first book. Yeah. And we've already got ideas for publishing companies, and you know, we've set up a lot of things in the background that are going to, you know, be important going forward. But yeah, it's just really cool how it's just worked so fast and worked so well yeah that sounds cool and, um are you going to be doing you say you're going to start up a bit of a small press are you going to be doing some conventions or uh getting out on, on the road at all hopefully you know this yeah. is this is the thing with with the kind of saying we're a small press and you know releasing all our titles under the banner and um i think it'll give us more kind of um legitimacy when we you know, apply for things, apply for conventions and um, things like that. And, you know, get into other places in terms of getting reviews in uh, newspapers and whatever. So I, j- I just think that it's a, it's, there's a lot of advantages to doing it. Um, and yeah, I think we're just going to go in and <laughs> see what yeah. happens really. That's cool, man. Um, I did want to quickly ask you about your extracurricular activities because i'm always i'm fond of a, a project as it were and i've seen you're doing the, the ray bradbury challenge and you also got this author diary <laughs> podcast um can, yeah. you, can you quickly talk about the, the ray bradbury challenge and what it is why you're doing it and you know what you got out of it yeah i mean basically there's there's two ray bradbury challenges um there was the one that i finished um you know a couple of months back which is basically you write a short story every week for a year um, and that was really great because it just gets you writing, it gets you thinking, um, and it gets you actually finishing stuff. And, you know, I've been able to release three short story collections that I wasn't intended to, which is just great to kind of have in a backlist when people look at your Amazon page. And, you know, I've had 
I think I've basically had a release every two months now this year. So wow. yeah, yeah, that's been really good. Um, so yeah, doing doing that was really rewarding, and you know, I'm now just going to focus on um, doing the odd short story for things like anthologies. I mean, I'm doing one at the moment um, for an anthology with just a Facebook kind of group of authors that I'm on. Um, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, and the other part of the Ray Bradbury challenge is the one where you read an essay, a poem and a short story every day for a thousand days. Um, now I think I'm on about day four to six, if I remember rightly. So I've been doing wow, it for over a year well. now. Yeah. 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 Um, and amazing. it's, it's amazing. It's really good. I mean, obviously, I, I, you know, I, because of being visually impaired, when I say read, what I mean is I listen to a poem, I listen to, um, you know, audio podcasts, um, TED Talks and, you know, the BBC's A Point of View and History of the World in 100 Objects, all these kind of different um, non-fiction things. Um, and doing that, it's, you know, you're never short of ideas. Um, you know, there's always different ways because I'm trying to listen to things that I wouldn't necessarily listen to. So yeah. I'm listening to a lot of, like literary fiction on the, you know, the New Yorker do fiction podcasts and they're great. And, um, you know, there's young adult ones. I don't know if you know the Cast of Wonders podcast, which is like young adult fantasy. So I'm, I'm experiencing all these different genres. I mean, you, you've got your podcast as well, the other stories. You know, I listen to all these different podcasts and get all these different ideas. And it just kind of, I think it rounds me out more as an author because um, you kind of see... You know, you get problems in writing in like, how do you do this? And if you're experiencing all these short stories and all these different writers who are good at maybe one thing or this thing and different genres, then you're going to hear the solutions to these problems. And I think that's really starting to filter into my work in terms of thinking about dialogue, because, you know, I, I write in the science fiction genre and on the whole, I'm, you know, I love it's my favourite genre, science fiction and fantasy. I love it. But when it comes to dialogue, they're not the strongest. Whereas you listen to something, a crime fiction story or something in literary fiction, and there's just something about the dialogue which punches you in the gut. It's like, right, I need to work out how they're doing that and bring it into my own work to kind of strengthen it. So, yes. yeah, it's, mm. it's great. It makes me, where are you sourcing uh, all of your, um, uh, where are you sourcing all your articles and stuff from? Because I'd find that I've tried a few sort of RSS readers on my phone and I tend to just then get preoccupied by facebook when i'm trying to look for a decent article so is there is there a place that you go to find all this stuff well as i, as I say it's um the it's just it's mainly podcasts i mean i've got you know i've got a few um short story anthologies and things but for things like you know ted talks and um you know thing like the recent podcast of sincerely x which is like a anonymous ted talk kind of thing um and all the BBC ones, the BBC do the essay and the wreath lectures and, you know, so it's all these kind of lectury podcasts or like opinion pieces. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all that kind of stuff really. Could you, um, so is there any sort of any particular essay that's, that stuck with your mind and any particular poem that stuck, stuck with your mind? <laughs> um, yes, there was the, I think it was, right, I might get the name wrong. It was the Ballad of Reading Jail, I want to say, by um, Oscar Wilde. Um, that was an amazing poem. Really horrible, really brutal, really dark. Um, I recommend Ooh. that. I listened to that through, <laughs> yeah. through LibriVox. Yeah. Um, and it was just about the brutality of prisons when Oscar Wilde was obviously in prison. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, just so 
just horrible imagery. Like I'm, I'm going to steal from that poem for years in terms of just yeah. Yeah. getting horrible, gory imagery and things like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the essay thing, it's like, it, it depends on what mood I'm in and what's inspired me recently. Um, there was one, and I, I've read, I had a bit of a rant about this kind of thing on my podcast the other day. I mean, I don't like to get political on podcasts, but um, it was, there were a couple of things that happened within a very short space of time that were related to the kind of um, American, um, really kind of militant political correctness movement that's going on. Yeah. Um, and I'd read this article that someone had shared with me that was about um, what authors can and can't write about. And they'll say, you know, if, if you're, um, if you're straight um include gay characters, but you can't write about what it's like to be gay because you don't, understand the oppression and i just went through this list it's like if oh, you're it's male, madness. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like i'm sorry but the whole point of fiction is being able to um you know empathize and understand the other um and i think i, I like that really made me angry and <laughs> there was like a um there was a bbc's a point of view podcast that was about um essentially saying that the this movement is is using free speech as um essentially it's like it? authoritarian leftist yeah, like it, movements yeah it's crazy yeah so it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, like the progressionist left are like using they don't want to get political either but are like almost as militant and aggressive as the people they're trying to uh yeah. like go against it's, it. it's, it's weird it's really weird yeah for, that was it free free speech is a, is a thing of male patriarchy and yeah. so you have yeah. to have speech it's like wow. well, well no because you, you're able to say that because of free speech. You know, there's a real contradiction there. And it it frustrated me because, you know, I, I've written where I've got a, a character that is an interdimensional, you know, transcendental being. And it's like, I've never had experience of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've never had experience of being a wizard in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, you laugh, but you, you follow the logic and that's where you get where you just can't, it's, it's all going to be autobiography and you can't actually write fiction because, you can't write the other and like that's that's what worries me <laughs> so yeah i didn't want to go on a rant but yeah no, no, that's, cool. that's it's, uh, so it's, it's it does it yeah. it fuels Your, um, fuels passion <laughs> one of the um so one of the things i'm putting from this interview and also just from a lot of what i've seen of you on on facebook online is that you seem to be one of these people that you rather than sitting around and waiting for opportunities you tend to make a lot of opportunities and i wanted to talk to you a little bit about your facebook group is it, it is your Facebook group, isn't it? The oh, the, the uh, Apocalypse one. The yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. Do you I mean, want to tell yeah. us a little bit about your sort of your decision to start that group, what it's for, and also well, how it's helping said, you? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've already said, yeah, it is this thing of, um, you know, I grew, I grew up on a council estate in Wolverhampton, and um, the only way you could get out was through boxing, music, or education, I think. And <laughs> people who didn't bother... Are still there and you know probably have had issues with heroin or you know that kind of thing um so you've got to make things happen i hate it when you see people who go i wish there was this i wish there was that and i've always just thought well if it's not there do it mm. yeah i mean i really wanted a community of like-minded authors who were writing in the same genre as me who were willing to share and help each other and talk about craft and talk about how to raise the bar with what they're doing and there, there are other post-apocalyptic groups on facebook um that you know do some really cool stuff but it, you know it wasn't what i wanted um and so i just thought you know what what the hell i will do this myself um i wanted 
to set up the group and yeah join the group it, it, if you write apocalyptic stuff if you write zombie stuff if you write uh you know dystopian stuff there's a lot of authors on there there's there's some really successful authors on there who are giving advice um mike kraus who um you know he's just doing amazing work at the minute um you know he wrote a post on there i'm going to write a post all about his process of serialized fiction and that was such a great post there's so much information in there um so yeah just and and having people who are willing to look at each other's blurbs on amazon and you know really help each other um, and that's it's still building and i want it to be a better community um and it, it will be because i think people are getting you know more active on there and it's not just you know it, it felt for a while like i was leading the posts in terms of you know i was the one doing stuff and everyone was responding but now it feels like people are sharing and going oh you know uh share your facebook page here we'll all like each other's facebook page and it's just little things like that and yeah you know asking questions about how to write a good blurb or you know does this promo site work for this genre and it's been really useful um in terms so, so yeah. I, I i don't know if i remember this group what, what's the group called it's called authors of the apocalypse authors of, i'm not i need to i need to add it i'd like to I'll um you in it. i need to find i've been looking for a while somewhere as you're writing a post-apocalyptic book and you're trying to think of um like a quick research like idea of um oh is diesel like how long does diesel last for it expires or you know something like simple like that and you need somewhere to ask where people might know is, yeah. is there any is there any of that sort of going on there's, there's been a little bit and i think there'll be enough people on there who've researched it that they'll be able to answer it yeah um that's cool so yeah i think i think it's a, it's a really good place for for things like that definitely because I'm at the um, point where we're going to have to go live in the woods for a bit to <laughs> just to get a good idea of what I'm writing. Um, yeah, man. So uh, have you? So you've been writing obviously as a journalist and now as an author. Have you got any advice for general advice for writers that maybe you wish somebody gave you but but never did? Um, just know when to let go of that first novel. Um, you know, I, th- I think when you write your first novel, it is. You go in there and you think, well, I've read a million novels. I know how to write a novel, and you don't. Um, I think you go in there and you stick to it. I mean, some people spend 20 years on on a novel, and that breaks my heart because we've all got so many stories within us. The first novel is like your first love or, you know, it's your yeah. first sexual experience where it's like, this is built up for ages and I just really want to get it done and it's got to be need- the best thing ever. And then you just... You say you, you need know, to get it out there. Two minutes. It takes a lot longer to write a book. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, so I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's the excitement and it's the you know you've just got to get it done and get it out of your system and then move past it and and know that okay it's going to be crap. Oh, I'm not as good as I think I am. I don't know how to tell a story. And then once you've written that first book, got it out of your system, then go and learn about story. Go and deconstruct stories that you like, stories that you hate, and um, work out why things work, why things don't. When you sit and watch a movie and go, oh, I wouldn't have done that, stop yourself and go, well, why wouldn't you have done that? Yeah. And try and work out, you know, it's a process. And stories are deceptively simple, I think. I think we we experience them all the time. We take them for granted, but they're really hard um, to get right. So, yeah, I think, yeah, get the novel out of your system, move on, and then really learn your craft and hone it. Yeah. Learn how to put stories together learn what works and then learn how to write. I mean, the amount of authors I see who can't 
string a sentence together in terms of grammar and things like that it's i mean yeah i mean it's it's weird because even when the grammar's bad and even when the writing's bad story is the most important thing i mean we we can just point to 50 shades of gray if a story resonates (laughs) a lot of people it's successful regardless of the quality of writing so get the story right first and then you know do it as credit to yourself to learn how to write where a comma goes um you know what a past tense is because some people don't and, and that's a shame yeah i feel sorry for el james she's like the universal punching <laughs> bag of authors yeah. <laughs> yeah and she and she's probably sitting in a massive swimming pool kind of laughing. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah it completely highlights your point it is it is more about the story the amount of stories that i have read where it's been professionally published authors and you sit there and go this isn't amazingly written but oh my god i do just want to read more yeah 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 that's, I think that's like most of the journey, but you know, we get a good story and the, the prose is just so good. It's just oh. adds something extra to it. <laughs> it takes mm, it, it to a whole other level. So I was, I was, I reread, um, what was it, the name of the wind recently, the, the Patrick Rothfuss. And he's, I need to read that. I've been recommended that by so many people. Yeah, like I, I, lo- I love the story, but then the, the writing, he's just got such a poetic voice with his writing. It's, yeah, it just, it really adds to it. So, yeah. Mm. Even though the characters are complete dick, you're like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is really nice. This is yeah. just the same as beautiful. It's, a, it's so. a beautiful dick you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so any any other mediums that you'd like to, to write in? Um, Radio, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to write radio. I mean, I've written radio plays in the past. Um, yeah, I really like radio plays. I really like audio. Um, it was weird. It was when, when I did Wizard of the Wasteland, I got, you know, I got the... Um, ebook and i got the print book and it was like, ah, okay fair enough but then when somebody actually did the narration for the audiobook because all you know pretty much 95 percent of my reading there is done through audio um it, it just meant so much more so yeah audio and radio um yeah that that that'd be awesome so finish, finish um, listening and... <laughs> yeah. you've mentioned um you mentioned a few times about your sort of vision impairment how has that hindered your writing if it has at all yeah, I mean, I'd like to say it hasn't, but it really has. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think in a way I, I see it as a, like, well, I'm visually impaired, so screw you, I will, I'll show you kind of thing. I think it does give me that extra drive to to do it. Um, you know, I think part, I mean, I did a, I did a PhD in art history, you know, and I'm, I'm visually impaired. So it was almost like a, I'm not going to, I mean, it's probably like a real terrible psychological thing to have that attitude. But, um, mm. yeah, it was just like, well, I'm not going to let this beat me. Um, you know, I do get. I dictate when I'm writing most of the time. Um, now I use Dragon, and um, that's really good in terms of my biggest problem now is is eye strain. Mm. And you know that, like when I used to work at the newspapers, I I would go home on a on a Friday night and pretty much lie in bed recovering until Sunday, um, because it just really wow. just yeah. was like being punched punched in the head and the eyes and whatever, and. You know, my wife's really glad now that I'm doing this because I can just walk away from a screen or mm. I can just, you know, look away. I can dictate into my mobile and have a walk up the beach. I, you know, we moved to Morecambe and this, this was all part of it. It's just, you know, we tried to make our lives, all the things we wanted in our lives. You know, I wanted to live by the sea, wanted to be a science fiction writer and here we are. Yeah, <laughs> so, doing it, yeah. Um, so, so the, yeah, so the, there's little things like this is why, you know, if, if I wasn't, if I didn't have the eye strain issue, then, you know, my output per month would probably be 100,000 words. I could quite 
comfortably do that if I didn't have to sit in front of a screen. Um, I find editing, self-editing really difficult. Um, and so what I do is I, you know, I listen to the, I basically convert what I do to Kindle and then play it back using the kind of Stephen Hawking voice. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, once I've got it sounding how I want it, because this is, you know, I, a lot of what I do is audio. So it has to sound right to me, the rhythm. I hate clunkiness in sentences. I hate tripping over words. Um, and then my last edit will be getting my wife to read it out to me. And she's an English teacher and she teaches language and she's trained to be an editor. So she picks out everything that's there. And yeah, the last book was very clean. So I was, I was pleased with how that was. And she obviously got stuff at the end, like um, what you call them, like pluralized singulars or something um where you know all the little kind of technical things where i just think oh whatever <laughs> um, how does it sound so yeah that's all i care about yeah, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. like I, I really struggle with telling the you know telling if a, a quote mark is one of the smart smart ones you know like the curly ones rather than straight and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes i can't see the difference between full stops and commas and you know so it's just kind of little things like that where you can't hear them um but yeah as, as long as i've got another pair of eyes then you know, I can do this forever. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, so I've just got a couple more questions before we jump into the quick fire round. Um, I just want to quickly ask, first of all, um, have you got any sort of favorite recent uh, books that you read or films or comics or anything that's out there that yeah. you've really enjoyed recently? Well, you know, you know, the one, the series that I'm on at the minute is amazing. Um, I've absolutely loved it. It's Brian McKellen's Powder Mage series. I don't know if you've read this. Um, it's kind of, I think it's, it's flintlock fantasy is what it's, what it's described. It's basically fantasy set, um, I don't know, almost Regency times. And um, it's kind of out of the medieval setting. And there's, what is it? You've got mages who can control the path of bullets and have an affinity with gunpowder and stuff like this. And all the old wizards are kind of pissed off with these um, new wizards coming along and having all these new powers and things. Um, and it's just a real kind of deep political stuff going on and a lot of stuff about, um, I think, I think the guy must've read a lot of Marx basically. There's a lot of like yeah. um, undercover, undercurrent of like Marxist theory and um, yeah, just kind of unions and war and I don't know, there's just so much going on and, it's just really well told. So yeah, I'm 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 about an hour and a half away from the ending of that. So I'll I'll probably finish that tonight. And yeah, really excited about that series. I think it's brilliant. Um, okay. So yeah, recommend highly recommend that one. Cool. Um, and also, like, what what's, other than the Black Death series, what what's next for, for John? Uh man. I mean, uh, yeah, I've mentioned the um, the kind of lit RPG yeah. um, visual impairment thing. So that's an ongoing thing. And then. I've, I've really I've been doing this world building for an epic fantasy for a few years and I've got the outlines it's all ready to go and it's just justifying you know the time of being able to do a you know a 300,000 word uh, trilogy um, so yeah once I've got this done with the um, post-apocalypse stuff I'm going to be writing this epic fantasy thing and I, I'm really excited about it because um, I did I've done quite a few short stories in the world and um, they're kind of the best received things I've had. Like people have e like really gone out the way to email me and just say, this character is awesome. You need to write more with this character. And it's like, yeah. I can't ignore that. You know, it's um, there's obviously a call for what, what this character, something about this character has resonated or whatever. So yeah, I'm going to write that series and yeah, I've just been writing and 
you know more short stories and it just kind of get my head back into the world but yeah no that's that's next yeah cool, cool. uh dan have you got any more questions before we jump into the quick fire round um the only one that well one of the things that caught me you were saying a minute ago about um when you're talking about your process your it sounds like you i don't want to say lean on but your wife is very supportive of what you do is that something that has kind of been from the start are you finding now that sort of your numbers are justifying your work that it's now a bit easier to sort of validate what you're doing you know what she's always been supportive of whatever i do uh, she doesn't necessarily like it but, <laughs> but now she's she's always very supportive um i think a lot of my artistic projects in the past she's not really cared for necessarily but um now she's she's always been supportive you know when i was in this weird experimental band the german one i mentioned earlier like, like she them. yeah yeah so she would not come to the gigs she went to one and was like i'm not coming to any more but she used to give me lifts and you know she'd, she'd be there and pick me up and whatever so you know and just with the you know she she's an english teacher and she likes literary fiction and you know mostly literary fiction probably written about 100 years ago um and so the stuff i'm doing isn't at all something she would like and sometimes she's just like are you sure are you sure this is right you know it's that it just doesn't feel like you you're doing any foreshadowing it's like well i am <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know it's, it's it's just different to you know what what thomas hard is doing or whatever so yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah it's it's kind of weird because you know I, i've really studied the genre and i've studied what works and like um especially like the reviews of night of the wasteland i think all of them bar one have been five star reviews and people have loved what i've done because i'm trying to write to that that those readers um and you know when i show her that she's just like okay i don't i just don't get it then obviously so yeah, yeah. but she'll you know she's there reading it and will point stuff out like well i oh, didn't didn't he have this here or you know all those kind of little um continuity details and grammar grammatical stuff and just she's really good when it comes to just kind of turns a phrase and um like she got really annoyed with one of my characters because of um the way her language kept fluctuating because um i've got i've basically got a character in a new book that is a little girl who has had a lot of trauma and when she's kind of closing in on trauma it's almost like she almost goes into this really simplistic state of language and I think once she realised that that's what I was doing, she was really happy with it, but it was, yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, um, re- yeah, uh, she couldn't be more, well, I mean, she could be more supportive, obviously. She could, uh, <laughs> do she could buy no, the she books. Could, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she could, she could you know. Uh, yeah. but no, she's great. So, yeah, can't can't complain. Cool, cool. Okay, so the quick fire rounds. We've got 10 questions for you. You've got about... Five seconds at the most to answer each uh-huh. and every one. <laughs> um, are you ready? Go on then. Okay, Dan, do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, after you. Second to last book you read? Uh, it'll be one of the Powder Mage ones. There we go. First Powder Mage book. PlayStation or N64? Oh, probably PlayStation because of the Final Fantasy IX. What's your favourite alcoholic beverage? Um, I'm currently drinking Jura, so single malt whiskey. Nice. nice. What's your What's your favourite UK city? Um, probably Leeds. I'd have to say. 
first first book you ever read? Oh god, um, probably <laughs> the Witches by Roald Dahl. Nice. The one person you'd want to meet. Um, living or dead. <laughs> Either. Uh, probably China Mayville. Um, yeah. I just think I'd have a really long in depth. Com- I'd like a long in depth conversation with China Mayville. Uh, biggest hobby outside of writing. Uh, I enjoy professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favourite writer? Um, oh, you can't ask that. Probably Gene Wolfe, but my God, uh, Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the list goes yeah. on. The, yeah, the, ask me tomorrow, it'll be different. But yeah, millions of, yeah. So you're in the cinema, you're waiting for a film to come on. Bad news, it's the worst film you're ever going to see. Uh, what's it called? Um, oh, Duck in the City. <laughs> <laughs> and where can we follow you in your work um it's let me think johncronshaw.com is my website that's j-o-n-c-r-o-n-s-h-a-w because i didn't think to have a pen name and that was easy to spell when i started this um yeah, pen name <laughs> so yeah just use my real name um <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah johncronshaw.com i've got jl cronshaw on twitter um and then on facebook it's john cronshaw author I also do a podcast called John Cronshaw's Author Diary, which I launched, I think, two or three weeks ago at the moment. Um, and it's basically I'm going to chronicle my writing career from now on and answer questions. So if you have any questions, please email john at johncronshaw.com and I'll answer them on the show. Cool, cool. Sounds good. Um, and is there any sort of final plugs you want to give out to people, maybe get people to go buy a book or um, give you some sort of rating or review on itunes i don't know what anything out there um i mean yeah if, if people are interested i mean you know visit my website check out the um i've got a free novella called addict to the wasteland check that out first you know if you don't like it then don't bother looking at the rest of my series but if you do then that's kind of what the feel of my series is it isn't the big kind of action explosions it's a uh it's a different kind of it's a new take on post-apocalyptic fiction i feel and a lot of people seem to like it, and then some people don't. So if you like it, then you'll enjoy the rest of the series. I love oh, your just blatant honesty. It's just, it's just refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's oh, absolutely sorry, the attitude it's, it's the you should have. the best book you'll ever read. So. <laughs> there you go. So you enjoy to. it. <laughs> um, no, if, if, if you like it, you'll like it, and if you don't, then, you know. So if, if I can wheedle out those people <laughs> who won't like it before they start leaving bad reviews on Amazon, then all the better. And that's what yeah. every author should understand. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So uh, just a quick thanks to Disaster Peace for the intro and outro music, ACAST for hosting the podcast, the listeners for listening, our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. And thank you, uh, Dan, my co-host, for being here. I've got, without you, I'd be alone. So thank you for that. Thank you, Luke. And a uh, final thank you to John Cronshaw. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, John. No worries. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.